Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. You have to be consistent in everything you do. I'm a huge advocate of compounding action. It's going to feel like you're not getting anywhere until one day you're just going to get there. No matter what you're doing, compounding action, you've got to do the same things every single day that are going to get you where you want to go. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Justin Moy. Justin is joining us from Kansas City, Missouri. He is a multifamily syndicator and has 304 units as both a GP and an LP. Justin, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? Ash, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing fantastic. Awesome, man. It's our pleasure to have you. Justin, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in real estate for most of my professional life. I was in real estate sales, then helped in investors buy and sell properties. Then in acquisitions, I've done flips, I've wholesale properties, and eventually landed into syndication, which is what I focus on now. There's quite a few reasons why I've gone through that, but real estate has always been something that's really ignited me. I think maybe like many listeners, 
the conventional college and nine to five route wasn't quite for me. I had to kind of figure that out quick by almost failing pretty much every class I ever took leading up into college. So I was looking for ways to make a lot of money without having that formal education. So real estate and insurance were kind of the two fields that I knew a lot of my friends' parents who didn't have degrees went into. And I decided to jump in both feet on real estate. And that was maybe eight or nine years ago at this point. And I haven't looked back ever since. Best decision I've ever made. Yeah. Listen, I had a horrible GPA in college because I didn't go to class a whole lot. So I I get that struggle. (laughs) Justin, you said you helped investors find deals. What does that mean? Yeah. So my very first step into real estate was as a a realtor myself. I think maybe a lot of people have started there, maybe gotten their license. I was 19 years old at the time. So I just graduated high school and this was in the East Bay of California. So the East Bay of California, right across the bridge at the time was like the fourth most competitive market in the country. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I thought I would just tell my friends I had my license. I would sell some deals. And it was the old mentality. Well, if I just sell one or two a year, I'm pretty good because homes in the Bay Area, you know, two, three, four million dollars plus. So I started doing that. I was grinding on cold calls. We didn't really have a lot of direction. And I eventually did what I should have done in the first place and got a mentor. And my mentor said, well, why don't you start off by looking at some direction? Instead of cold calling everybody and their mother, do you like a certain neighborhood? Do you like a style of house? Do you like working with investors? Do you like working with tenants? And I said, well, I think I like working with investors. I think I want to be a real estate investor one of these days because I could see the burnout path of being a transactional person in the real estate field. And, and so that really stuck out at me. So I said, yeah, I really want to help investors find properties to invest in. He said, okay, great. I do a ton of that. Let me show you exactly how to do it. This is what they look for. This is how to find tenant-occupied properties or non-owner-occupied properties. And it really walked me through that. And that's really what ended up being my most successful kind of niche in real estate was helping broker single-family investment homes. And that really triggered me to look at incomes and, and what other people who were in the owner side of things were making, the lives they were living. And I decided, I got to get out of the transactional space. I got to be an investor myself. Yeah, you saw the money they're making. How do I get that? <laughs> Okay. So listen, a lot of people do that, right? A lot of people aspire to get to where someone else is. What steps did you take to get there and how long did that take? I ended up being a real estate broker for about three years. Now, granted, I loved every day of those three years. It was both the hardest and the most successful thing I've really done. It was a huge learning curve and it taught me an enormous amount, not just about business, but about sales, about mentorships, about not going at things alone. And it was definitely the most important milestone I'd hit. One of the biggest takeaways I had from that was how quickly I got to where I wanted to go when I had a mentor. So to me, it was an informal mentor, but since then I've done informal mentorships, formal mentorships where you pay somebody, coaching programs, masterminds. And it's really just taken me to the very, very next level. Because at that time I was a 19 year old kid. I thought I could and should do everything myself. I thought, hey, everything's for free on YouTube anyways. Why would I do this? Why would I pay somebody to do this? So I think that was the biggest part was, hey, if you have people in your corner, you're going to get there significantly faster, no matter how hard you work, just by compounding people's knowledge. So that was a huge, huge, huge first step for me to realize what I needed. You mentioned it was a very competitive market. How did you penetrate that competition when you were a beginning realtor? It was really, really tough because we were in a market that was very generational. 
a lot of people, they were inheriting their father and mother's business who inherited their father's mother business, who essentially sold the land to develop that stuff to the initial owners. So a big part of that to me was I knew that I had to really outwork the hell out of everybody. And cold calling was my method of doing that. I would cold call. And if any real estate agents are listening and they remember those back end days, or maybe they're in those days now where they're just banging the phones like crazy. Somebody had told me in my office, Hey, if you ask whatever it was, I think it was 20 people a day, if they want to sell their homes, you'll probably make pretty good money here. And so I said, okay, so if I ask 50 people a day, I can't fail. Right. And they said, well, I guess, sure. So that was my goals. Every day I needed to ask 50 people if they were selling their home. And what's the quickest way I could do that? I stood outside of grocery stores handing out business cards. I, I cold called people. I pulled lists. I had untargeted lists. It didn't matter to me, but every single day I knew I had to ask at the very least 50 people if they were going to sell their home. And that's the only way that I could have ever managed. And I just had to continue to do it. I'm a really, really, really big fan of compounding efforts that the things you do every single day do add up to this enormous results at the end of the week, month, day, year, or your career. And that finally got it for me. Justin, do you think that would work today? I definitely think it would work today. A lot of people say cold calling is dead. I could see it being sort of on its way out. I don't think it's quite here yet. I'm really also into marketing and you see kind of some market cycles and sales tactic cycles. So I think it still works. At the end of the day, you can't really overcome human interaction. And that's what a cold call is. That's what a door knock is. That's what standing outside of a grocery store is. It's a human interaction you're going to see that those numbers increase. So when I was in the business about 10 years ago, maybe that was 50 a day. Maybe now if you cold call, it's 70 a day. Maybe it's 75 a day or 80 a day because the numbers dilute. But at the end of the day, you need to find out whatever you're doing in your business, what do I need to do every single day to get me where I want to go? In direct sales, it's usually some type of prospect outreach. In uh, acquisitions, it's usually some kind of underwriting properties. Whatever that number is, what do I need to do every single day that's going to have the most impact on my business. And that really is fundamentally what that comes down to. Let's go back to when you were working with a mentor, when you had coaches, what was the next action step you took to level up? To me, it was a big thing of whatever my coaches told me, whatever my mentor said, I would pick whether it was a person or a company or a coach production, whatever it was, because there's so much information out there and there's so many ways to do the same thing. And there's so many ways to be successful at the same thing that you could have two extraordinarily successful mentors or coaches tell you two totally different things. And they probably both work. But the biggest thing with a lot of people is they hop from one to another. They say, oh, this person said cold calling is the way to do it. I'll do that. Then after a week, they go, oh, this isn't working for me. This person said, I got to knock on doors. And they go over there. Then they go, oh, that didn't work for me. And then this person says that cold calling is dead. I got to go do this. So what you really need to do is figure out what is the firm direction that I want to go? Because another thing that really helped me realize and level up my career was realizing that I can't do it all. There's a lot of great ideas out there. There's a lot of great methods of doing things. I have to pick the one to two to three, whatever you have the capacity for and really hone in on those, commit to those and do them well. So don't get too blindsided by a lot of advice because there's a ton out there and there's a ton of great advice out there. Pick what you think will work for you and really go all in on that. Don't spread yourself too thin. Yeah. So how did you go from being a realtor to being a syndicator? What was that journey? So I was in real estate sales. Anybody who is in that life knows that it, it, it's quite a grind. It's not as glamorous as the shows make it seem. It's very, very transactional. And there are two things that really bugged me about the business. 
first was it's transactional. I got to work and I realized I could never step away. Just me personally, even when I was taking a day off, I was never really off. I could never really enjoy time with my friends and my family. That's just kind of the personality that I have. And second was it's very locationally specific. If I continued down that path as a recent high school graduate, I was 19 years old, with my real estate license. If I was going to build this big book of business as a real estate agent, well, that typically means you have to stay in that area. And if you go somewhere else, you got to continue all over. You got to build an entirely new book of business. So I decided, shoot, those are two really big deal killers for me is I don't want to be transactional and I don't want to be tied to a specific area. And through working with a lot of my investors, I can't say that actually majority were not even in California. The majority handled everything remote. They were in Taiwan or Japan or they were vacationing. They said, yeah, I just live in this other country or this other state now. And I realized that's the life that I want. So how do I do that? And then the thought process, especially for a lot of people is, well, I'll just continue buying one or two single family homes every single year. Again, a great strategy. There's nothing wrong with it. But when I really dove into the numbers, that cash return of what we were seeing for how long it would take for you to be able to sustain a pretty great life purely off of just that cash flow, it was really staggering. I needed a lot, a lot of properties. I needed a lot of cash. So I continued down that rabbit hole to see, hey, how can I do these things faster? How can I achieve what I want to achieve faster? And I looked into you know, multifamily, I looked into multifamily syndications, and it really checked all the boxes for me. There's active and there's passive roles in them. And there's small deals, there's big deals, there's multifamily, there's industrial. The whole world opens up when you start to see real estate, not just as I got to buy the house next door and put a tenant in there. So I went down that rabbit hole in syndications and I haven't looked back since. It's been an awesome journey. Justin, what was your first deal? My first deal was a 41 unit property, which we are actually, I don't know, depending on when this airs, might have sold at this point. And that was a few years ago, 40 units. We ended up making it 41 out in St. Louis County. And it was a total gut rehab, vacant building. It was condemned. It was like overrun by gangs before. It just had this enormous rap sheet of history on it. So we got it for an incredible price. And at very, very conservative projections, we should be exiting that property in the next couple of months with an extraordinary return, probably two and a half to three X. Did you say you went from four to 41 units? 40 to 41. We ended up adding an additional unit. I was going to say, man, what a value add. Yeah, Grant Cardone, that thing, <clears throat> an exit. <laughs> what, was, what, what was the purchase price on that? Yeah, we purchased it for a million bucks. Okay. Wow. 40 units for a million dollars. Yeah. And what's the sale price going to be? It'll be closer to, in a very conservative sense, closer to about 3.1, 3.2. And how much do you have in it? Me personally, I didn't put any money. No, no. What's the total CapEx, total the budget? Total CapEx, it'll be about 1.5. So at the end of the day, you'll walk away with about 600K total. Mm -hmm. So why did you do such a heavy lift for your first deal? It was about partners. I found this deal and I initially had walked away from it because just like you said, I said, this is too much. This is too heavy of a lift. I don't know how to do these things. I don't know anything about construction at the time. I don't know anything about electrical panels or I didn't know any of that. So I went to a conference actually out in Texas and I was talking to a few people. And I remember I met this guy who actually built multifamily properties and built custom homes. And I called him. I said, Hey, I got a question for you, man. Would you do a deal with me out in St. Louis? And the guy's out in Boise. And he says, yeah, why not? What do you need? I said, well, it needs everything. 
<laughs> it really needs a, to the gut, to the studs. We got to do everything on this property. I showed him the pictures, showed him the aerials. We did video tours. We walked the place and he said, yeah, this is no problem. I can take care of this. So we said, perfect. And we ended up inking that deal in the PSA, I think the next day, but without that partner, it would have been way too much. And what was the split on that partnership? We would do 50, 50. We and were you 50, took on 50. investors for that deal. We didn't end up needing to take on investors. Well, not as a syndication aspect. We JV'd it. We had two investors on the deal and then we did the work on it. So it was a small JV for my first deal, but I I couldn't have asked for a better one. You always say you learn the most on that first one that happens. And it was an incredible ride for sure. Nothing in the courses or the books or the other podcasts. that I really replaced the experience of actually doing that first deal. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors. I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Everyone is looking for a recession-resilient investment. How can you try to prevent from losing money by picking the wrong fund and sponsor? Right now, you can get Reliant Real Estate Management's free guide, 10 Things to Consider in a Real Estate Investment Fund, by visiting besteverreliant.com. Answer questions like, is the organization's focus on you? And does the fund keep employees? Reliant Real Estate Management is ranked one of the top 20 largest self-storage operators in the country with $1 billion in self-storage assets. After completing three funds and selling 38 properties with $0 of investor principal loss, they have an average project level IRR of 33% in just over 3.5 years. Visit besteverreliant.com right now to receive the 10 things to consider in a real estate investment fund and get access to their latest investment opportunities. That's besteverreliant.com, B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R-R-E-L-I-A-N-T.com. Justin, you weren't cash flowing on that deal on day one, were you? No, absolutely not. We ended up losing money on the loan for about five or six months before we broke even. Did you prep your investors for that? Yeah. Your two JV oh, yeah. investors. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of the investors that we took on were very used to putting into deals that didn't cash flow for maybe one or two years, or they invested in a lot of flips where they weren't really looking for that cash flow. They wanted to put their money somewhere, have the tax benefits, and then get that bigger pop in a year or two years or three years. So yeah, you definitely have to let your investors know this is the game plan where we're not buying a cash flowing property. But the reason why we think it's a great deal is because we are projecting a cash flow in whatever it was. For us, it was 12 months. We ended up hitting it in six. But they knew going in that that cash flow wasn't a big aspect of it. They were looking at IRRs and they were looking at equity multiples. Yeah. I think that's so important that you align the expectations of your investors because there's a lot of investors out there that rely on that monthly or quarterly pref payment. And there's others where it's just an accounting headache. They don't want it. They just want the back end returns. What will the total return to investors be on this deal? Between two and two and a half X their initial investment. Would you do another heavy lift of this caliber again? Absolutely. I think we would change our criteria a little bit. I think we would have a little bit more leeway for how much more do we want to put into this property. Cost of labor over the course of us doing the project had fluctuated up and down. So I think having a little bit more of that prep for me, knowing things are going to go up, things are going to come back down. Lumber changed prices four times in the last couple of months. So just prepping and knowing, hey, this is going to be a journey over the next 12 months. It's going to be a little bit more volatile. It's hard to plan for a lot of these things, but we should add a little bit more cushion here. And overall, the returns are fantastic. And I like to do a lot of that work. I like to add a value. I mean, we took a literally condemned building 
And now we're able to house 41 tenants in it, which is helping a, a huge housing crisis we have. So I love to add value. I love to feel like we had a big impact on that community and those tenants. Justin, how do you find deals today? We work all through brokers. We're actually adding on an arm of the company that will do some direct to seller for some smaller multifamily, but 41 right now is the smallest we have in that portfolio. A lot of those trade through brokers. And I'm a really bit, just like I talked about before, really staying focused on one or two really hardcore strategies and not spreading yourself too thin. So again, there's a lot of ways to find properties. You can send mailers, you can cold call, you can text blast. I get mailers on all of our properties. They all work. But what is the one or two methods that you can do every single time and get the best results for us? We network a ton with brokers. And now we're just starting to add on a direct-to-seller method, which will be cold calling. Going back to my roots. Yeah. And that was going to be my question. Why are you not cold calling (laughs) what worked so well in the past and what you advocated? Yeah. It's tough. When you get into multifamily and you get bigger properties, the strategies are a little bit different. Contact rates are a little bit different. You're dealing typically with a little bit more of a sophisticated seller or sophisticated owner once you get to a certain unit count. Then you get a lot more gatekeepers. You get a lot more LLCs into different LLCs. So it's a little bit harder and also strain on time. Again, we have to prioritize where we spend our time. Our time has been so far better spent with people whose job is to do these things all the time. And they're the cold callers and we're kind of networking a lot with them and building those great relationships. That has been more lucrative on our time investment thus far. How do you get a competitive advantage with brokers? Because there's a lot of other Justins out there looking for deals. Yeah, that's huge. And I worked in the commercial brokerage before as well. What I can say to ways to stand out to these bigger time multifamily brokers or any other commercial field that you're in. First one is be consistent. You've got to be there. I forgot what the statistic was. It was like a vast majority of people who reach out to these brokers for the first time, never reach back out to them again. It's something crazy. So if you reach out even just two times, which you got to do way more, but even if you just do two, you're already in the top percentile of people who's reached out to them. You have to be there all the time. You have to ask great questions. What the difference between residential and multifamily, the education is night and day. You got to know what you're talking about. You have to ask great questions. One question that I love to ask to stand out among brokers when I'm connecting with them for the first time is what do you and your team need from me and my team to feel really confident in our ability as buyers? And I have not ever gotten a negative response there because they'll usually pause for a second and they'll say, well, that's a great question. Well, I guess we could talk about your experience. And now, you know, okay, great. Now they want to know about our experience. Okay, great. So our experience and what else? Well, what's your portfolio look like now? Great. Get your experience, our portfolio. And then the questions will start to flow. And then that opens you up to let them know, I'm really serious about this. I'm serious on letting you know that we're great and qualified buyers. What do you need from me so we can get past this and get, do, get working on some deals? So just think of ways to stick around all the time. Always follow up with them and ask them great questions. I like that. What do you need from me to build confidence in me as a buyer? That's a great idea. Being Just really to- direct with people has helped quite a bit. And that's a big sales tactic is, is being really direct. What do you need from me? I know you get calls all the time from people. We're new to the market. What do you need for me to, to increase your confidence in us? And then let's get some deals working. You tell them that you're new to the market? Well, th- they're going to know. All the big brokers and multifamily know the buyers there. And when they do ask you what your REO, your schedule, your SREO, your schedule real estate owned, they're typically going to know the buildings that they work with in that market. And they'll know you're a new buyer here. 
Now, that doesn't mean you're new to multifamily, but you can use most of our portfolios in this area. We're new in Kansas City. We're new in Phoenix. But what do you need for me to build that confidence? So most of the time, not hiding those facts, a great broker that does a lot of business in the area is going to know they haven't seen your name before or your group before. And then they might even ask you, hey, what do you own here? And you're not going to lie. So, hey, we're new to the market, actually. Most of our portfolio is in here. But again, what do you need from me to make you confident in our abilities? This is what we've closed. This is what we do. This is our buying potential. And then the questions are going to start flowing. Yeah. Good for you. I like that. Justin, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best advice ever is you have to be consistent in everything you do. I'm a huge advocate of compounding action. It's going to feel like you're not getting anywhere until one day you're just going to get there. No matter what you're doing, compounding action, you've got to do the same things every single day that are going to get you where you want to go. And what's a really hard lesson that you learned that came with something that you wish you didn't have to go through? Think back, something that you got your teeth kicked in, whether it was experience with a partner, investor, a deal, a broker. What was just the toughest thing you went through? I'll tell you this. It's a story that I really like. I don't know if it doesn't sound tough, man. It doesn't sound tough. Well, it shows the compounding action and it was a tough, 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 tough journey. So when I was in real estate, I was in sales for about three years. I didn't sell my first property until I was about a year in, which is a long time to go with no money. It's a long time to look at your friends and family and say, I haven't made any money yet. They say, well, how's the real estate business going? You go, oh, it's going great. Like, what have you sold? I'm working on it. So I told you I was cold calling every single day, eight, nine, 10 hours a day. I was a maniac. And the very last day, I remember I said, coming up on a year, I haven't sold a thing. I'm sitting in my office. I'm one of the last people there. And I'm not an emotional guy, but I kind of started to break down. I said, everybody's going to laugh at me. They're going to make fun of me. I told everybody I'm doing this thing and, and now I'm failing. And I remember I had my face in my hands. I really have never done before. I was the last one in the office. And I picked my head up and I started unplugging my laptop. And I said, this is it. I'm just going to go home and I'm never going to come back. I got to figure something else out. And I used to call on a Fizbo's for sale by owners. I went on Craigslist and I hit refresh on Craigslist and I saw one more pop up. And I stared at my computer and there's no way I can prove this. Actually, it sounds like a movie. It sounds like a movie. One more popped up and I stared at my computer and I said, why even bother? You know, should I even do it? I said, forget it. I'm doing one more time, one last cold call, and then I'm done. Once they tell me no, I'm going to pack it up and leave. I called, lady picks up and I went through my script. I think I half-assed it too. It was a terrible pitch because I was totally worn out. I was waiting to get the no so I could pack up and leave and say I gave it my all. And then I ended up, hey, so you know, if I could sell your home for you and net you more money, would you let us do that? Whatever it was. And she paused. And she goes, yeah. And I literally thought it was a joke. My friend was pranking me. And I said, okay. I didn't even know what to do next. I had never been told yes before. And we said, okay, great. I set the appointment, told my mentor. We went to the appointment. She sold and bought her next house with us. Ended up being $75,000 payday for me. And that was my very first of quite a few deals that I did. So the hard lesson was sometimes you got to get your ass kicked over and over and over and over and over and over again. And if something's really, really, really worth having, you've got to know that other people have done it before you. Other people are successful. 
and you can be too. So the painful lesson was sometimes you got to get your ass kicked for an entire year and a day before you finally catch a break. But that break yeah. will come. That story gave me chills. So you get a pass <laughs> on that one. That's that, that definitely counts, man. Awesome. Yeah. Justin, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right, Justin, what's the best ever book you recently read? I'm a huge fan of Limitless, Training Your Brain for Greatness. What's your big takeaway from that? The big takeaway is focus, focus, focused efforts. So he talks a lot about brain activity, how your brain becomes addicted to certain things. And now, I don't know if you've noticed, but people really can't hold their attention for more than about four and a half seconds now, which is an enormous disruptor to productivity. So there's tips and tricks on how to do that, how to condition your brain to be more focused. And I can say my productivity since reading that book has at least 20 times over because I'm not so distracted with the world now. So Limitless, I love that book. Can't endorse it enough. Awesome. Justin, what's the best ever way you like to give back? I am huge on children's initiatives, specifically around hunger. Big, big opponent of we don't choose what we're born into. So a lot of people just need that hand. They need help when they're growing up. So really big on initiatives that help feed kids in our community and around the world. Justin, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? The best way is we have a new ebook. I would love for you to check it out. Give me some feedback. It's called The Definitive Guide to Passive Real Estate Strategies. You can see that at thedefinitiveguidebook.com. Once you go there, sign up for that free ebook. I'm going to send you an email that'll have all my contact info on the bottom. I'd love to connect. Justin, thank you for your time today. I'm sharing your story where you knew that you weren't going the college route. You had a lifelong interest in real estate, did the typical thing, doing the flips, the wholesaling, became a realtor, got your teeth kicked in for a year. <laughs> and look at where you're at now, man. Did a heavy value add. Great work. Thanks for sharing your story today. Ash, I appreciate you so much. Hope your listeners got some great value out of it. I'm sure they did. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this episode with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.